Jamal Adams compares himself to Tom Brady. More dysfunction in Jets land. Deal or no deal? Should the Jets have traded more than Leonard Williams? Gangrene takes their talents to South Beach, but can they beat the winless Dolphins? My pal Mark Canizero and former Jets great Wesley Walker join the show. All of that next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. Come join us for brand spanking new episodes Mondays and Thursdays. I'll take you inside the locker room and bring on my post colleagues, Mark Canizero and Steve Serby. We'll also be joined every week by current and former Jets players, celebrity fans, and other special guests. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. So let's get the ball rolling. I want to welcome in now Mark Canizero, my fellow New York Post football writer. Uh, lots going on in Jetsland to talk about, Can, uh, starting with Jamal Adams, their Pro Bowl safety. Things have blown up this week with uh, first the Jets talking to teams about trading him. Joe Douglas says he wasn't shopping Adams. He was just fielding calls. Adams went on Twitter and blasted Douglas, saying he lied to him. Uh, and then on Wednesday, speaking to reporters in Florham Park, he uh, went even further, said he doesn't even want to talk to Joe Douglas right now, said he, uh, you know, he, he compared himself to Aaron Donald and Tom Brady and said you don't talk about trading players like that, and he considers himself in that class quite a mess. Um, so I guess my, my first question for you would be, you know, do you think uh, this is fixable? Uh, well, I tell you, I'm, here's what I'm most disappointed at with, at, at the start, Brian, is and, – and we, we, I, I don't understand why Jamal would not have just made a call to Joe Douglas yesterday before he went out and ranted on Twitter. But obviously he's, you know, he's a little bit, he's got, you know, obviously we know we've got a streak of immaturity to him. He's a very passionate guy. Um, you gotta, you gotta think before you tweet, which uh, we all know nobody, not enough people do. Um, and for him to come out now and say that he doesn't now, now he doesn't want to talk to Joe Douglas. That's ridiculous to me, in, in my opinion. I mean, this is the only way to clear the air. And frankly, I believe what Joe Douglas said yesterday. I'm sure they weren't actively trying to shop Jamal, you know, but how do you not listen? I mean, if somebody, if somebody calls you up, you know, whether you're the Cowboys or whomever and says, we're going to give you two number one draft picks. Well, then you got to start, you know, you got to think about what you might want to do. So, and you know, the other side of it is, you know, and which not the side that Jamal looked at either is the, if, if the Cowboys were indeed offering a one and something else, which there were reports out for, I mean, and the Jets don't take that deal. That pretty much tells you what you, what they think of Jamal Adams, doesn't it? So I, I don't like the way he's handled it. I thought he's handled it in an immature way, and and you know now it's you know he's bordered on the delusional now when he's comparing himself to, to Tom Brady and Aaron Donald. I mean, come on, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, my question basically is they've got to live together for the next nine weeks. You know, he's not going anywhere. The trade deadline is over. They officially can't trade him until March now. You know, they could agree to a deal in January, February, and then it, it gets, you know, officially done in March. But for the next nine weeks, he's not going anywhere. And they all have to live together, and they need him to play well if they want to win some games. Uh, if you're if you're saying, you know, we're not going to talk about it, I, I, you know, I'm not going to talk to Joe Douglas. That's just an unbelievable stance to me. He said he's not ready to talk to him. He's 24 years old. Like you said, there's some immaturity there. But, 
you know, it's time to grow up. He's a captain of this team. He's not a rookie. Um, you know, they, they've got to fix this for the now. I don't think there's any way this gets fixed in the future. I think he's going to be gone. I think he's going to be dealt this offseason. I think he's looking for too much money. Um, you know, I guess that, you know, would you pay Jamal Adams this offseason? He's going to probably gonna be looking for Landon Collins type money. Uh, Landon got six years, 84 million from the Redskins. Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably the starting point for Jamal Adams. He, ob- he obviously thinks he's the best safety in football, so he's probably going to be looking for a considerable amount more than Landon Collins. Would you pay a safety? Would you pay Jamal Adams this offseason? I would only pay Jamal Adams if I knew that he made things right with the general manager and and you know the rest of the organization. If if they, if I, if I was comfortable enough, and I and again, I'm surprised. I hate to be repetitive, but I'm surprised that after a night of sleep last night, that he you know, went postal like he did today, I, I, you know, went crazy. I, I don't understand. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to dial it back a little bit today. So I'm surprised to hear, you know, having not been out there myself today that he went, you know, that harsh uh, on Douglas. But I, I, when all of this, when I heard the rumors yesterday about him and Bell, the first thing I thought was why in the world would you trade either of these guys? These are the people you're supposed to be building around along with Sam Darnold. If you're going to st- keep getting rid of these guys, it's a you know we were already in a pretty bad cycle with this franchise as we as we both know here, you know they they tra- they dra- they they draft guys they don't quite work out okay Leonard Williams goodbye we're gonna get what we can for you so we don't have to pay you how long is this gonna take place you know what I'm saying yeah, they brought Le'Veon Bell in for a reason the guy's a dynamic re- uh, you know running back and receiver you fix the offensive line and you know what he's gonna be the Le'Veon Bell he was in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the same thing with, with, with Adams. If Adams, you know, if they start building a little bit more around, the, you know, the team and, and, and don't lose six out of seven games every, you know, every stretch, uh, you know, he's not going to be disgruntled the way he has been. But I would not give him a dime unless I knew he made right with Joe Douglas and the, and the franchise. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's just sad. The Jets, <laughs> they never seem to be able to keep these guys. They, they look like stars early on, and then they never stay. I mean, Revis – was an example. Keyshawn's an example back in the day. Uh, you know, these guys just never seem to stick with the Jets, even after promising starts. And Jamal looks like he might fall into that category. You can't keep keep get rid of guys every time. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta build around somebody, right? Yeah, you know, I think and positional value is a big thing right now in the NFL. And there's a lot of people that subscribe to the notion that you don't pay players like safeties and running backs, you know, they, they got some grief for signing Le'Veon Bell and they were the only team willing to pony that kind of money up. So I'm curious to see where Joe, Joe Douglas falls on that and whether he views this as, uh, you know, a safety is not worth paying. And he also, you know, he looks at this roster, there's holes all over this roster. So he might say, this is my only chance to get a few draft picks. And if someone's willing to give a first round pick for Jamal in the off season and something else, maybe a third round pick too, uh, you know, I think they're going to jump on it. I think this guy is going to be gone by the time we get to the draft. Let's talk about a few other players. Uh, you know, we we can play some deal or no deal here with what the Jets did and didn't do. Uh, let's start off with uh, Leonard Williams. They who they did deal they did deal uh, to the Giants for a third round pick and a fifth round pick in 2021 that can become a fourth round pick. What what did you think of that deal from the Jets' perspective, Cam? I think it's a deal that will help both teams, Brian. I mean, I think the Jets, you know, we just talked about not wanting to pay um, the kind of money that Leonard Williams is going to want after this season, and I get that. And, and he never – and you, know, you and I actually spoke about it at dinner after the Jacksonville game uh, the other day. You know, this is a guy that we both like. He's a hard worker. He works his butt off in games. You could see his hustling. 
and he makes a lot of plays in the running game, and he and the coaches talk about how he does all the right things, and he's a grinder. But you know, for where he was picked in the draft, and for the kind of money he's going to want, you need more than seventeen sacks in four years, right? So whatever the number is, so no, I I think that's a good. I think the Jets had to get something for him before the end of the of, the, of this, you know, this season. Frankly, I think that they probably were were short sighted and probably should have traded him before the last draft, where his his, his value probably would have been a little bit higher. Yeah, you know, Leonard's a good player. He's not a great player. And you expected great with where he was drafted. And remember the story uh, in 2015 when he was drafted was, oh, this is the best player in the draft. He fell to the Jets. And he just he, he just didn't get the production you needed from him. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, there are certain positions you pay and certain you don't. You pay guys who affect the passer, who, who get to the passer, who sack the quarterback. And Leonard just didn't get there enough. So I, I think the Jets made a wise move here moving on. And like I just said about, you know, Joe Douglas needs to get some draft picks. He, he got some picks. It's not first round picks, but he did acquire some picks for Leonard. And I think it was a good move uh, on a no deal front. We, we touched on Le'Veon Bell, but let's go back to that a little bit. My understanding, you know, is that they got calls about Bell just because the perception is Jets are one in six. They were going to sell everything off. The Chiefs were a team I was told was very interested in Bell and called the Jets, but uh, they ultimately didn't get the deal done. Uh, did you think that was that was a smart move for them, A, to listen to de- to offers for Bell, and then B, to end up uh, holding on to him? Well, I'm a believer that you have to listen. There's no question about it. But I'm very glad that they didn't deal him. Uh, I don't know what you know what Kansas City was offering, but, uh, I, I again, I go back to what I talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, you you have to build around some talent, you know, and if you start getting rid of the Bells and, the, and Jamal Adams and – you know what are you building around? You just now you're now we're restocking in the draft with a bunch of unproven players, right? And 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 waiting for them to develop until they decide that they're busts and they're going to trade them away or whatever or, or cut them or whatever happens. So, I think you, I mean there's just you know you got to settle down here a little bit. You know to some degree, you know that that Le'Veon post on his on his Instagram yesterday about patience. You know I I like that. You know and I'm, as we've you know we've talked about and I've written about you know. He's been a very, he's been a very very positive force in that building, and uh, you know if you you know you can be a cynic and say oh well whatever he's he may he's making his money and he's whatever you can go that way if you want to go that way I choose not to I mean I'm a little bit more on the positive side of things I think the Jets need more players like that guy and I I'll, I'll ask you this question if they upgrade that and obviously they can't do it right now but when they when they upgrade that offensive line just say you know with some of these draft picks you know next April. You know they upgrade that offensive line. I mean, I mean this is not a bad offense if you put if you had a decent offensive line there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is going to be, you know, at least close to the force he was in Pittsburgh if he has some decent offensive linemen out there. Obviously, they need skill position players on the outside, but they have enough right now to get by on the outside with the receivers and have and with Bell. But without the offensive line, nothing's working, and and that's what we're seeing right now. So, no, um, my gas bag long answer is I'm glad they did not deal him. I feel like he's a guy they need to build around. I've been madly impressed about the way he's his attitude has been, even in the you know darkest of times with this team. And uh, you know whether it's an act or not, I don't think it is. But listen, you know he's he's done all the right things so far, so I I'd I'd stick with him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that video that he posted last night. Uh, but you know after the trade deadline passed about the having patience and, and kind of begging the fans to stick with them because right now it feels like there is no patience from Jets fans. And I get it. It's been nine years. It looks like it'll be nine years with no playoffs. Um, but if you hold that up in the comparison of the way Jamal Adams has responded, 
you just see the kind of professional bell is and it's i didn't know what to expect from him you know sometimes when stars come here you, you expect diva kind of behavior from them and he's been nothing but positive so far here it's been really remarkable to see uh the last guy we'll talk about that was you know his name was thrown around with the trade deadlines robbie anderson another no deal from the jets um you know there was talk of that they were offered a fourth round pick for him. They were looking to get a second round pick. He's a little trickier situation to me because he will be a free agent after this year. I'm not sure if you pay him uh, as a free agent, but I thought taking him out of this offense would have been a killer for an offense that's already struggling because he's your only really real deep threat. Uh, how did you feel about the Robbie Anderson move and this or non-move decision to keep him? I am not a huge believer in Robbie Anderson as a complete receiver. Uh, obviously, I, I view him as a run, one-trick pony. He's got a lot of speed. You know, yes, he can break a game open. I mean, obviously, he had that great play a few weeks ago. That's his one signature play of the year. That's not enough for seven games, in my opinion. Uh, but that said, I'm glad they didn't deal him because the one mo- most important piece to the, in that entire roster is Sam Darnold, who's not getting any protection from his, off- his offensive line. And if you start taking away his at least halfway decent receivers, which I, which is what I consider Robbie Anderson to be, you're going to stunt his development even further, in my opinion. So I think right now, I, listen, I, I would not pay Robbie Anderson a lot of money when the season's over. In fact, I'd be fine if they just let him go. But I think at least for this season, you know, you got to keep some sort of continuity intact for Sam to try to let him develop a little bit. You start taking Robbie Anderson away, you know, uh, you know they're already you know they're already down. Uh, you know, Quincy, you know, who we thought was going to be a guy this year, you know, that was going to contribute, who just can't stand No Herndon. No Herndon yeah. so far this Herndon, year. Herndon yeah. hasn't been there. You know, he's a question mark whether he's even going to be back this week. Uh, so, I mean, you just, I, you know, you, you start taking all these pieces away, then w- how is Sam going to develop in these last 10 weeks? Yeah, no, I agree with you totally on that. Uh, enough trade deadline talk. Let's look ahead to Sunday. Uh, Jets go down to Miami to face the 0-7 Dolphins. Quite a matchup here between uh, these two woebegone franchises of the AFC East. What, um, you know, our old friend Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a quarterback. What do you, what do you expect Sunday in this, this battle of teams that are really struggling right now? Well, I'll tell you what I expect right now. I don't think Adam Gase is sleeping very well this week. Uh, I can tell you <laughs> that because the, he cannot lose this game to Miami. You know, this is a guy that just got fired from there. Uh, you know, has, has no love lost between him and the owner there. You know he would love to get down there. Not that he's going to be beating them up that badly because they already stink and they're trying to lose games. But uh, and that as a, as a franchise, obviously the players and the coaches aren't trying to lose the games. And, you know, and that's to me what makes this game dangerous to the Jets because they came out looked pretty good on Monday night. I thought Fitz looked good. Uh, you know, in, in the Pittsburgh game and and you know up fourteen nothing. They go up fourteen nothing on the Jets. The Jets will be like weebles wobbling and falling down because I they're they're already mentally weak as we speak now. So. That's a dangerous, dangerous game because that will be an absolute low point. I mean, that, if they lose to Miami, we're, we're talking about Rich Cotite type calamity with this organization, in my opinion. Yeah, and then they get the Giants next week. I mean, this is like as this is a nightmare scenario to me if you're Adam Gase and the Jets because two games that if you lose them, I mean, it's already ugly with the fan base, but then it's going to be insane because it's going to be the the tanking Dolphins. And the local, the other local team, the Giants, which no Jets fan wants to lose to them and have to hear it from their buddies at work. Uh, I've seen the point spread moving all over the place in this game. Uh, I actually saw it as low as three today. I've seen it as high as five and a half. 
What's your feel for this game, Mark? Do you think the Jets win this? Do you think they cover if the line is three or if it goes up to five? What, what, where's your, what's your feeling for how this game plays out? I think the Jets are going to win the game. And, you know, it's funny, um, you, you know, we're, because because of what's gone on this season, it's natural to think negative. It's natural to think what, what I just said, you know, that Adam Gase can't lose this game and, you know, all the doom and gloom and stuff. If I'm the Jets, obviously you got to just win a game. But we're talking about the scenario these next two weeks. You know, this is a game they absolutely should win. Obviously, they're going to be favored to win, if not just whether whether it's a field goal or whatever. I think I saw, I thought like five and a half or something the other day, and I thought it was, yeah, it was up to five and a half. And today, I saw three. So yeah, we're Wednesday. Yep. But I mean, I, if I'm the Jets, you should look at this as all right. Let's go take care of business and beat Miami, which we should. And then you know what? They can, you know, they can add a little bit of a spark to the season by beating the Giants the following week. Not that anybody should be looking ahead, of course, but yeah, I think the Jets will. I mean, I'm always one who believes the desperate team. Uh, although Miami should be desperate because it hasn't won a game at all this year. but <laughs> two desperate teams. Yeah, but I mean, I just th- I think there's a lot more because Miami, because everybody o- around Miami and the Dolphins and, and their their players and coaches down there know what's going on down there. They're, you know, the whole, you know, tank for two a thing is a little bit of a different vibe down there. You know, it's there's a lot, as you well know, you know, there's a lot of tension, in, you know, at one Jets drive right now. So I, I think that maybe you'd see a little bit of a desperate performance. I, you know, I really love what I see out of Sam and that offense on that first drive when we were down in Jacksonville the other day. You know, maybe they, you know, kind of get back to that a little bit. I mean, I know that Gase today talked about getting Le'Veon Bell the ball more, which was absolutely inexcusable last week to have, for him to have 12 touches out of 53 offensive plays run. And, he, you know, he finally admitted it today that it was on him. So, I mean – They've got to do everything they can to get him the ball. And hopefully, you know, maybe the defense has a spirited effort and gets after Miami. But it's a dangerous game. There's no question about it. But I would think that Greg Williams is going to find a way to turn Fitz over a time or two or three on Sunday down there. <laughs> you never know what to expect from Fitz. All right. Follow follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Canizero. And check out his columns in the paper and in NYPost.com. I now hand the baton to you, Mark, for our special guest this week. Thank you very much, Brian. Uh, we would now uh, would like to welcome to Gangs All Here, Wesley Walker, one of the best players in Jet history and certainly one of the greatest receivers in Jet history. What, what you're seeing right now, is it is it hard to watch what you're seeing at 1-6 and six right now as, as the team has struggled, particularly in offense, as a guy who you know was so prolific on offense yourself? <laughs> well, I've been complaining a lot to my wife that I, you know, I don't get a chance to watch the games. Uh, during the season, usually you get asked to the games and – you're making uh, appearances around the stadium, talking to fans, talking to friends, trying to see as many people as you can. And a lot of times I really don't get a chance to actually go to the games to actually watch, which I want to do. But uh, i tell you what, after being at the New England Patriots game and watching uh, what was taking place and the way the Jets are struggling, it's probably better off that I don't watch it because it's very frustrating. And I was so like shocked almost. Uh, It's been there a lot uh, in the last couple of years where you have fans that are cheering. And every time I think something exciting happened uh, by the crowd noise, it's the opponent's noise. And it's very disheartening. I know they're struggling. And it's uh, really a testament to the players who can really try to hang in there uh, to try to get through these tough times because they're really going through a spurt that I've never seen uh, throughout the organization. Uh, it's one thing losing, but the, the things that have happened to them, the different problems, the different struggles, and 
every time I think it can't get any worse, it starts to. And uh, it's very shocking and disappointing, and it's been very difficult to watch. That Monday nighter was it was really a low point this year. And as you referred to, there were you know by the end of the fourth quarter, Patriot fans were cheering for Brady. They were chanting his name. I mean, it can't get more insulting than that for a home team. And uh, obviously, they played. I was uh, I was actually. In uh, uh, in the green room, and they have a nice little uh, where they house the players, and it's a nice bar area. You can watch the game inside, outside. And I went outside to finally sit down to watch, and I had all these Patriots fans standing up where I couldn't even see the game, and I had to watch the plays on the screen. Uh, but that comes with losing sometimes. You look at the, the little things that go on that you see, and uh, I, I've been through some struggles myself, uh, you know, being on the end of losing season, but just what has transpired just from the beginning of the season with uh, Sam uh, getting the mono, just things that have not been, you know, happening that you thought was going to happen. And I was very excited this year. Uh, and I said, I wasn't even going to say anything because every time I've gotten excited where I, I think they're going to really prosper, uh, they go in a different direction. I couldn't think of any seasons that's been any worse than what they're going through right now, but it would be a testament to the guys that are there who can really pull themselves up by the bootstraps and really get going and try to hang in there because I'll be honest with you, I used to see guys that had their bags packed uh, at the stadium and getting ready to leave the last game. I don't care if you won only one game. I'm still there to struggle and to get through and to contribute the best I can. And I just hope that the team – from the very top, they all stay together. You know, and it's, it's very difficult in these times that what's going on that I'm seeing. It's interesting you reference that, Wesley, because uh, one of probably the most passionate players on the team, is, as you well know, is Jamal Adams, the Jets' safety. And, and he you know, he takes losing. I, you know, From what I see in that locker room, I was down in Jacksonville. He was as down as I'd ever seen him in the three years he's been here. And, I, you know, obviously his name was up. Uh, you know, it came up in, in some trade rumors uh, yesterday, and I just kind of wonder what your reaction to that was. I know what my reaction was, was why in the world would you trade a guy or even think about trading a guy that you should be building your team around? Well, anytime you lose players, especially, uh, you know, they didn't have this movement and these um, deadlines uh, that I've seen, and I've never until Leonard Williams had seen this with the Jets as far as losing players and having to uh, look at names that are being thrown out. And you always, as a business, you know, anybody can be traded at any time. It's a business, and you realize that. And I, I've i had a chance to watch uh, Jamal, uh, you know, for three years, and I know he's very passionate about the game. Uh, there are times where I've been disappointed because some of these guys, they're into the social media thing, and I just want them to play ball. And, and if that's one negative, I see that kind of stuff going on. And, you just have to play the game. Uh, but when you're on the hot seat, and, you know, and I know there have been times, uh, or at least rumored, there's a possibility I could be traded. And that's never a comforting situation for any player, and especially if you're on a team that you're really committed to. And in this day and age, uh, there's really no commitment. It's, it's a business, and that's what you have to really realize. But it certainly doesn't make you feel good as a player uh, when you're in a situation uh, such as this, and it comes with losing a lot of times. But when you have one of your best players and uh, th that has been talked about, and obviously as a general manager, as a team, you have to exercise that right. And as a business uh, to entertain, I'm not so sure they were shopping him around, but uh, there may have been some people that are interested. And 
uh, the fact that they're losing and these things are being talked about is just more publicized. But these things go on 24-7 all the time uh, about players and what has been talked about. It just comes with losing sometimes, and it's more exaggerated. But obviously the things that the Jets are going uh, through, and when you look at the names that have been thrown out, it doesn't make you feel good as a player and as an organization. And it just you have to start questioning uh, as a fan uh, what direction is this uh, team going in? You know, you you reference social media. I, I I truly believe that Jamal got a little bit too caught up in social media as he has been in the past because he's an emotional he's an emotional young guy. Uh, you know, but I and I think he probably allowed himself to probably spout out before he probably should have uh, on social media. But one guy that's not on social media is Sam Darnold. And I and, and I, I kind of wonder what your impression of him has been so far. He's, you know, in my opinion, been, you know, pretty pretty level-headed and, uh, and you know, kind of, you know, mature beyond his years. But this has been a pretty tough go for him this year with the, with the mono. And now he's, you know, the offensive line has obviously been struggling all year long. What have you seen out of yes, him? I, and, and what, you know, what are yeah, your expectations? I, 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 really, I really have a great deal of respect for him. Uh, I know it's tough in, in this time. And and just watching him in these last couple of games doing things uh, where they're throwing off your back foot, throwing off a balance. I know that last interception he threw uh, against the Jaguars, he was really off balance. And there's some players that can get that play done. And sometimes you can uh, get it done when you win and, and you make those throws. But obviously you start to think about coaching uh, when you're starting to do things and players are not putting what they need to do from the practice field onto the field and I know uh, Coach Case has said that about uh, their play uh, they just have to carry their practices over on the practice field and that's coaching so that's something to look at but Sam Darnold has been professional and I'll be honest with you it's just a different time with the social media stuff and it, that's all well and good but I was at a uh, uniform launch earlier this year and I know Jamal was more into how we was going to post the pictures on Instagram and you know this is game of football and I think Hey, I don't have any problems with social media. I'm, I'm on Facebook. But when it comes to that game, you take care of your job. You don't need to be doing these extracurricular things. And uh, I, I just I just am so shocked sometimes when I see some of the things that are said, the way people are acting. Uh, Antonio Brown was one of the guys who I had a lot of respect for until his situation when I see how he acts. And I just don't necessarily agree with uh, what how they act and what they do. Uh, I want to see your play out on the football field. I was always a modest type of player, and I respect that. And you you mentioned Sam Darnold. You don't hear about those things, and he's taken a more a professional approach. I just wish more people would follow in that line. It's unfortunate that they're losing right now and some of the things that you're going to be more critical because they're not winning. And obviously, as a professor, he knows the things he has to work on. But it starts from the top, from the owner on down to management to the players and they have to get on the same page, but they definitely have to improve in all areas. And, and you have to look at their overall talent. Uh, the guys that are there, uh, that's been very questionable too. And then if you look at their draft, uh, uh, and I think I was listening to Bart Scott uh, since 2008, and you look at the draft choices that are still here, it's just, it's very, very uh, <laughs> null and void. It, it's, you might as well not even draft. So you got to look at the whole situation. So, you know, injuries just plays a big part of it. Uh, the talent level plays a big part of it. But the coaching and management and uh, that whole organization, uh, everybody has to look themselves in the mirror and has to wake up and get on the same page and, and try to improve uh, 
themselves. And uh, it's going to be very difficult this year, but uh, you have to move forward. And uh, I look at it as a learning lesson uh, going through these things. And you'll remember that when you become successful, and this will help you in the future. You know, you mentioned the draft, Wesley. I actually was out at a golf outing yesterday with Nick Mangold that was part of it, and we had a nice chat. And the Jets last used a first-round draft pick the year that they drafted Nick Mangold and DeBricker Shaw Ferguson, both of whom were retired. I mean, that pretty much tells you what the problem is, you know, what, you know, in terms of what they've been building for the last, you know, decade-plus through the draft. And, and it's showing now, you know, because Sam's running for his life right now and he's got no, got no you know, they can't help open any holes for Le'Veon Bell. Excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you you talk about Olivia Bell and and Sam. You know, I, and any player any player would tell you this, this is the ultimate team sport. And I just I don't care if it's a lineman or running back, uh, just to pick up a blitz to make a play work. People don't know what's involved that makes a play work. It takes everybody. And I don't care how good you are. Olivia Bell is approved. This guy is of one of the most talented guys I've seen being able to run and catch the football. But you cannot do it without the help. And they've had a, a, a big struggle on that offensive line, and it's going to continue. And I don't know how you're going to be able to perform uh, as a quarterback when you're under duress every second of the way and you start to make these errant throws. But it's just not even physically possible to have success when you don't have the talent that surrounds you and also just not performing well. So. I just hope that the coaches can really get it together uh, because there's some areas of uh, that, that I don't understand. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy that can go deep, and I don't see him uh, with the production in that area to use that deep ball. I mean, I heard Coach K say that we know he can run the deep ball, but I never see it. you got to at least take those shots to take the pressure off. But there's a lot of things that are going on, and, and they're questionable uh, in areas of being innovative. And, and, and in the beginning, uh, the outside in preseason, you didn't have that impression. But a lot of times coaches' hands are tied when you don't have the talent level, when guys are hurt, and you're kind of strapped, and you become very basic. And uh, people uh, can actually look at things, and you become very predictable. You know, Wesley, before we roll out of here, I want to I want to turn this into a little bit more of a positive conversation and talk about your career a little bit, uh, which is better than what's going on correct at this current state. I just wonder, you know, I actually, one of my most memorable games that I covered was that 51-45 Dolphin game when you had the four touchdown passes. I was just a couple of years out of college and a young sports writer, and I was at, you know, Giant Stadium for that. I wonder what is your most, what are some of your most proud moments? Uh, what are you most proud of in your career? Uh, for you know all the things well, you I'll did. tell you what I'll tell you what that is one of the moments uh, that I had, um, and then when you talk about that fifty-one forty-five, I had four touchdowns. It's still a record, I think, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the surrounding cast around me. Now I can't speak on the defense that day because uh, Dan Marino had a phenomenal day against our defense. But just to tie the game up, uh, there was a special uh, formation that we had and. Uh, I, I, they were in the right formation, uh, but uh, Kitty O'Brien had enough confidence in me. And actually, I was on the sidelines at the time, and he told me to go in. And he stuck the ball in between three or four different uh, uh, defenders. And I'm still in awe when I think about it. It was like a dream how I even caught it with my hands over the middle with no time left. But to get us to that point, 
there was a couple plays between um, Johnny Hector and Mickey Schuler. I remember there's this hook and lateral. Mickey Schuler flips to Johnny Hector to gain a first down to get out of bounds. Mickey made this one play. He broke a couple tackles just to get out of bounds with five seconds left. If Mickey doesn't do that, we're not in position to even make that play. So it's things like that that I think about. And, you know, we went on to win the game 51-45. I had the winning touchdown. But I couldn't do that without Kenny O'Brien and certain things that took place during that day. And I actually fumbled the ball to give Miami back where they said I had position of the possession of a ball that I fumbled. And I didn't think I had the possession. But uh, we got uh, we came back. And, and then I thought we were going to lose that game because on the kickoffs uh, – uh, our guy um, fumbled the ball, but we got it back, and, and the rest is history. But you won't be able to do those things without the play of certain people, and you have to be on the same page. And so I thank God uh, uh, I had some memorable, memorable times. But it's the guys that you, you, you played with, like the Kenny O'Briens, and I miss guys like Marvin Powell and uh, just this, this, this Mickey Shooter. I just saw him at um, – uh, this legends that we've got voted on this all-star team. I probably hadn't seen him in 30 years, and it's always nice to see guys that you haven't uh, seen in a long time, and, and that's what I really miss about that situation. But there's so many things that have happened, even with my career, you know, getting my master's degree when I retired, and it all culminated when I retired. I went right into teaching, uh, but I, 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 um, I try to tell kids, you know, how important education, along with your athletic ability to – you can become successful. So I've been able to use that as a tool, but I've just been totally, totally blessed. And and believe me, what the Jets are going through right now, I've been there losing seasons and I was very frustrated as a receiver, not catching a lot of balls, which most receivers are catching 90 to hundred balls. And I'm catching 40 to 60 balls. I think, I, I think 60 was two was the most I had in one season. That was always frustrating. And so I know what Robbie Anderson's, is going through not having the, t- uh, the opportunities to be able to have success because he's not getting the football, and that's very frustrating. But you just have to keep going and keep working hard and uh, do the best that you can and take care of your job. Leslie, are there any charities? Uh, what, what, I know you're very, very involved with, with things. Uh, uh, anything you want to speak about before we, before we close? Well, the one thing uh, my wife and I started, uh, she actually started, and I just kind of volunteered. She has a companionship aid business, and we work with the elderly. And I kind of can relate to it because we work with people who have uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, and uh, especially with this concussions with CTE coming about, it, you know, you can relate as the players and this, certainly through the injuries that I'm going through, the things that I'm still going through, I can relate to the aging process with, with people. And uh, I, I got thrust into a situation just to help out my wife with a guy. He was 99 at the time. Uh, and uh, I, uh, uh, he missed his 103rd uh, birthday by a week. And I, four years later, I was still working with this guy. And so we have a uh, a bunch of different clients that we work with that are elderly and, you know, obviously the families need the help and they need someone who can provide the help for them. Uh, and they have this need uh, to work with good people because there's a lot of agencies out there where they don't get the help with the, the people being dependable and whatnot. And we love what we do and, and just helping others. And, um, 
I have a couple I'm going to go see uh, tonight. Uh, he's uh, the, the the husband is 96 and she's 88. But we have several people that we work with, and some days I'm having 12 and 13 hour days. But it's a volunteer thing for me because I can relate to what they're going through and the difficulties they're having because I have a similar situation with my body. What has all happened due to me playing football? But I just love people, and I love being able to help, and uh, that's always been my mantra, whether it's kids, you know, when I was in education, and we're still trying to do the best we can. And, uh, you know, Marty Lyon does a great job with uh, his foundation and what he does for kids, and not enough of those things are being talked about what athletes are doing today, but there's a lot of good out there, certainly with a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good athletes and people do that you don't hear about. Well, Wesley, uh, it's been my pleasure talking to you as somebody who covered you at the latter part of your career, and I see you out at the stadium periodically. And uh, for your your fans, uh, they can follow you at, at Twitter at, at WesleyWalker85. And uh, thanks so much for being on Gangs All Here. Hope we'll, I'm sure we'll probably speak to you again before the end of the season, I'd like to think. And uh, Well, call 24-7. Uh, you're always welcome, and uh, I look forward to it. And I really appreciate you and what you've done over the years. And uh and I, I read your stuff, and, and, and if it, anybody tells you that they don't read articles and follow the press, then they're lying. But we do, and I've had a good relationship with the press, and, and I hope that you can say that I never have changed, whether you had something good written about you or bad. But I'm always going to be the same, and I appreciate your time. Good deal, Wesley. Be well. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it all happen. We will keep bringing you brand new episodes and the best Jets content every Monday and Thursday throughout the Jets season. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily NY Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back on Monday as we recap the Jets game down in Miami. We'll see you then.